Radio. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Franchise Interviews, Asking the Entrepreneur Who Owns One. I'm your host, Marty McDermott, with my co-host, Don Johnson. And if you've ever dreamed about owning your own business, well, you've come to the right place. Today, we got Joe Matthews, author of the successful Street Smart Franchising, coming up in segment two of Franchise Interviews on World Talk Radio, where the world comes to talk. So stick around. we got a great show. Hello, Service Brands International. I got a problem. The more time I spend pursuing success, the less time I have to enjoy it. What am I going to do? Don't worry. You made the right call. Service Brands International, a leading multi-brand franchiser, offers a variety of proven home services franchises that are ideally positioned for today's time-starved consumers and are exceptionally efficient to operate, giving you the time to run your business and time to enjoy your success. There's Molly Maid, a residential cleaning franchise. Mr. Handyman, the franchise solution for residential and commercial fix-it problems. 1-800-DRY-CLEAN, the affordable franchise opportunity offering quality dry cleaning with the convenience of free pickup and delivery. And ducts. That's D-U-C-T-Z, meeting the need for improved indoor air quality. For more information on how a Service Brands franchise can provide a life worth living, visit servicebrands.com. That's servicebrands.com. Unlock your earning potential with a business to call your own with the Papa Lock Franchise Opportunity. Founded in 1991 by former law enforcement officers in Lafayette, Louisiana, Papa Lock is recognized as the leading locksmith franchise in the world, with 3,600 trained techs and licensed locksmiths serving a total population of more than 150 million in over 3,400 cities. Papa Lock provides multiple revenue streams to franchisees, such as locksmithing and car door unlocking, high-tech key generation, emergency roadside assistance, and emergency car door unlocking. If you would like to examine the Papa Lock franchise opportunity in more detail, please go to our website, www.papalock.com. That's www.papalock.com. Or call 337-233-6211. That number again is 337-233-6211. Lock up your future today with Papa Lock. Listen, the world is talking. World Talk Radio. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Franchise Interviews, Asking the Entrepreneur Who Owns One. I'm your host, Marty McDermott, with my co-host, Don Johnson. And if you've ever dreamed about owning your own business, then this is a show to listen to. And today's show is being brought to you by Service Brands International. And Service Brands International is a family of franchise concepts, which include Molly Maid, 1-800-DRY-CLEAN, Mr. Handyman, and Ducks. And, Don, welcome back on this snowy, icy, and cold Thursday, February 15th, 2007. How's your day or week going so far <laughs> yeah it's going great Mario. you were you know putting up with everything being ice here like we talked about earlier absolutely it's it's funny don so you know i'm looking outside right now and it's it's, it's pretty uh you know when you're in the house but i tell you outside right. it's it's nasty out there you know so it's pretty wicked 
Yeah, got to be careful, and I'm really looking forward to today's show. We got some interesting things to discuss, like we always do in segment one, and then we have absolutely a very interesting person on, uh, uh, Mr. Joe Matthews. Yeah, we're looking, looking forward to that for a long time. Yeah. Absolutely, it's going to be a yeah. great show today. Our last show, Don, we got to meet with uh, Greg Caravello of Cartridge World North America, and uh, you know, I thought it was a fantastic and very informative show. I was very impressed. What were your thoughts on last week's show? Yeah, real smart guy, uh, yeah. a real entrepreneur. I mean, he was, he was very Absolutely. successful even before he got in with Cartridge World. As he, he was telling us his past history. Uh, uh, yeah, Marty, I thought he was very effective at explaining the details of Cartridge World and right. and, and answering all the questions. Uh, it was a very yeah. nice interview, a good guy. Yeah, he was. He was. You know, I was impressed. On I like the ability to you know be able to sell to both businesses and consumers. You know, and also the size of the industry. I mean, it's a, it's a huge market. You know, it's a great opportunity, great franchise. You know. Yeah, as as usual, we we learn a few things too. I didn't know all that. You know, even though I've been financing Cartridge right. World for several years, you know, yeah, I didn't know the you know the details and how big the industry and. Um, you know, how much more room there is to grow? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, what they're the twenty uh, first fastest growing franchise. They're ranked they're, number one in their interest industry right. by Entrepreneur Magazine. And exactly. I mean, you can't have you know better growth than opening one new store per day. So, no, absolutely. Um, that was yeah. a great endorsement for Cartridge World. You know, so it was a great show. So, great show. Yeah. Um, if if you missed the show last week, you know, if you're listening for the first time, you can go to the archives and actually hear the show from last week. So. Um, what do we have going on today, then, Don? I know we have uh, Joe Matthews. Yeah, and he's author of the very successful book, Street Smart Franchising, which is a must-read for anyone looking to buy a franchise. And I'll just mention a few of the, uh, the highlights and what Joe's book goes over. It'll help you decide if franchising is for you, tell you what you will see, feel, and experience before you invest. Uh, right. Very important. Help you manage your emotions and perceptions throughout the investigation process. Help you determine what type of franchise with uh, your specific skills, talents, shortcomings, uh, uh, so you can have the greatest success in. And we, we've gone over that in the past. Pe- right. uh, you know, people deciding on what franchise to invest in. It's it's important they gotta you know try to match up uh, to what their skills are and mm-hmm. what they think that they're going to be interested in. The book also, Marty, will show you how to accelerate your learning curve to achieve peak high, highest performance. Mm-hmm. And give you just basically real world tactics and strategies uh, so you can develop your own comprehensive plan for success. So oh, it's, it's great. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, and then next week we're, we're meeting with Nancy Lenard, who's a franchise attorney, has been helping businesses grow for many years, and that should be a very unique and informative show. Absolutely. Uh, from a lawyer's point of view, we haven't had on an attorney yet, so. No, uh, we haven't. No, Nancy's uh, very knowledgeable in the industry, too, Don, so it's going to be a fantastic show. Yep, and then March 1st, we're meeting with a franchise called the Miami Rice Pudding Company. Yeah, I'm excited about that. I, you know, as, uh, I, I know my dad, Martin Sr., is going to be listening to that show. He's a, he's a big fan of rice pudding. So, uh. <laughs> my father, i let him know about that. My dad grew up in Brooklyn. He's oh, you're kidding. Oh, you never told me that. He mentioned uh, he's had rice pudding in the past. and uh, But rice pudding, uh, well, Miami Rice Pudding's goal is to help franchisees bring the healthy joy of flavored rice pudding to the world, Marty. And the reception of the 35 great flavors has been great so far. So, that's great. Uh, that's on March 1st. We'll hear about this unique, competitive, nutritious, and a fun franchise concept. So It sounds like it. A couple of weeks. That'll be good. That's great. That's great. I have an interesting piece, Don. I know there's a lot of uh, news to discuss this week you know, in franchising, but it was an interesting piece I found in my archives. Uh, it's from Cheryl Babcock, and 
She's the director at the School of Business and Entrepreneurship at Nova Southeastern University. And this article is on the value of market research. And, you know, one of the concepts I emphasize to my business students is how good market research can eliminate a lot of the guesswork and risk in buying a franchise. It's very, very important. I think you and I have spoken about that several times during the show. There's two types of market research. You have primary research, which is data collected for the purpose at hand. And then you have secondary data, which is information that already exists somewhere and having been collected for another purpose. Um, Just very quickly, you know, some of the things is the value of market research before you decide to buy a franchise, you need to determine the extent of the demand for its products and services. Market research can help you. By systematically collecting, analyzing, and interpreting market data, you can uncover key trends and form a better understanding of the franchise's market, their customers, and their competitors. Those trends and insights can help you answer such questions as the following. Who are my customers? Who are my potential customers? What kind of people are they? Where do they live? How often do they buy my products and services? And I was thinking about that one, Don. You know, when we were interviewing Cartridge World last week, you know, how often some of these people are, you know, uh, are in need of toner or new cartridges, you know, for right, their right. printers, you know. Yeah. So, so that's a nice repeat sale. So, um, what else? What models, styles, colors, or flavors do they prefer? Uh, why do or don't they uh, buy from my store? Um, how do the strengths of my product or service match their needs and wants? And it goes on to say, perhaps more important, market research can help you uncover important market information about a particular franchise so you can make an educated decision about whether to purchase it. You know, right. so and this is something we've been getting back to, you know, is, is the whole uh, process in buying a franchise is due diligence, you know, right. uh, you know, primary research, secondary research. And, again, it takes a long time. This is something that you certainly uh, uh, can't do in a day, you know, so... Right. Very, yeah, very of course, important. a lot of research before you buy the franchise, and once you have it, yeah, I mean, I mean, obviously, marketing, advertising, very important. I like you're talking about the you know primary research, I right? Mean, you know, target marketing, uh, you know, getting a detailed breakdown of the characteristics of your customer. I think as you go along, you, you know, you're always any business is trying to maximize their customer base, and just the more information you have, the more you know about your customer, I guess, the better chance you could have of uh, concentrating, putting your money and advertising dollars towards that specific type of customer and it you know you have to you know you have to do that you got to focus on that absolutely it eliminates a lot of the guesswork and risk you know in 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 buying a franchise you know and i think it helps you sleep better at night too don you know knowing that you did your homework you know and say you know what um uh this thing has a very good chance of making it you know so absolutely it's a a great article interesting article yeah yeah and i know you had something on wendy's it was kind of big news huh they're uh bringing back uh is it the breakfast menu it sounds like well, I guess she just told the story. <laughs> but anyway, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, this was found through Business First right. um, out of Columbus, Ohio, via FranchiseWire.com. And the, right. uh, the title is Wendy Says Lessons Learned from Past Breakfast Failure. The article starts out, the Where's the Beef campaign helped make 1984 one of Wendy's International's most successful years. That's right. So as an encore the following year, the Dublin fast food chain turned much of its marketing and management muscle away from hamburgers and toward getting the company into the breakfast market. Right. Uh, And a person here, it says, we finished one of the greatest ad campaigns ever and didn't run a national ad for burgers for years, said longtime Wendy's franchisee Gene Carlisle whose Memphis, Tennessee-based Carlisle Corp. owns 96 Wendy's restaurants. The breakfast push turned into one of the company's most notorious flops. 
done in by bad execution and inconvenient menu and the distractions to restaurant operations and the company's marketing, the breakfast menu was eliminated in just a few short years, which is incredible because companies like this put you know so many millions into getting involved with this, and I guess it uh, just wasn't successful. But when these executives insisted they learn valuable lessons that will apply as they get ready to serve breakfast again. So right. uh, I'm getting a little tired of eating English muffins and oatmeal myself, <laughs> but this is good news for us. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. I think it's going to be very successful. You know, it's funny, Don. I don't remember Wendy's ever serving breakfast. Do you? Um, no, no, I don't. You know, really don't. Yeah, it must have came and went pretty fast, um, you know, because I, 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 I don't recall, you know. But I think it's going to be very successful, you know. I, I, I think they'll get it right this time, you know. It's, uh, so yeah. we'll have to keep our eye on that, you know. I think they'll get it for a couple of years. Back then I was in college. I don't know if I had a Wendy's uh, right. near me. in the area. At home or college. Yeah. Uh, what else here? It says, Wendy's told investors of its intentions to belly back up to the breakfast table last year, aiming for a cut of the $30 billion market for quick-service breakfast. Breakfast is the most important meal of the day, Wendy CEO Kerry Anderson told Business First following a February 5th investor conference at the company's headquarters. The company is testing breakfast at 160 restaurants in five cities with plans to be serving the meal uh, at half its restaurants by the end of 08. So, Wow. I guess, uh, you know, yeah, I mean, I, I really That's like Wendy's. Uh, I yeah, wish like we were one closer to where I live. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, so we'll have to keep an eye on that see what happens. Yeah, absolutely. And we've noticed that, too, you know. I mean, a lot of, you know, what I enjoy about the first segment, Don, is, you know, we've noticed a lot of these big franchises, you know, KFCs, you know, making a lot of these uh, interesting changes, you know. So even no matter how successful you are, you know, change is, is inevitable, you know. Right. Absolutely. I, you know, I always get nervous. I hear a lot, breakfast is the most important meal of the day. Yeah. I mean, I'm in trouble if that's the case, because that's usually my... I guess I'm in trouble, too, then, because uh, <laughs> I'm not a big breakfast person myself, you know. And something else here, Marty. This is interesting. Uh, you're written by Julie Meyer uh, through Fishman Public Relations. It's uh, the title, National Direct Mail Franchise Raises Funds for Children's Miracle Network. This is the end of January 07 at a Garden Grove, California, in a nationwide effort to support 17 million children in need of specialized care, the franchise Money Mailer, a leader in the $62 billion direct mail industry, has announced its total donation for their 2006 partnership with Children's Miracle Network, the CMN, right. a nonprofit organization dedicated to saving and improving the lives of children across North America. That's great. I mean, this looks, I mean, this is a great article. It says mailing over 21 million miracle, uh, 21 million miracle envelopes and donating a portion of their advertising sales to Children's Miracle Network in spring 2006. The Money Mailer corporate office and its franchise system have raised an impressive grand donation total of over 442,000. Wow, nice. That's, yeah, definitely pretty impressive. Our partnership with Children's Miracle Network has given us the opportunity to make a difference in the communities we serve, uh, says Godfrey uh, Otuta, president and CEO of Money Mailer. That's the money cool. we have raised can now help the lives of children treated in over 170 CMN hospitals. Money Mailer's 2006 donation will go directly to CMN hospitals that provide state-of-the-art care, life-saving research, and preventative education for children. Uh, we are extremely thankful for both the enormous exposure and monetary contribution Money Mailer has provided on behalf of Children's Miracle Network and its hospitals throughout the nation. Uh, said Craig Sorensen, Senior VP of Development Communications for Children's Miracle Network. So you like to read articles like that. Uh, oh, absolutely. Children yeah. need a care, and here's a franchise stepping up. And uh, I mean, they're you know their business is doing direct mailing, so it seems like it would be a natural fit. It does. Why not just uh, you know include 
um, you know, as part of their mailer, and they've raised a lot of money. That's uh, that's great. Absolutely, it's always a great thing when you hear franchises like that. You know, like uh, you know, McDonald's has the uh, Ronald McDonald House, and you know, you see a lot of these uh, big name franchises stepping up to the plate and doing a lot of great things. You know, giving back. You know, right. to society. So I think it's a wonderful thing. Yeah, and they're a pretty impressive uh, franchise. They are. Yeah, I'm very familiar year. with those guys. Yeah, we're gonna have to have them on the show eventually. Uh, next, Marty. Uh, through Franchising World Magazine and Fran Data, where we get a lot of our information and right. statistics in the franchise industry. Uh, here's something interesting. Uh, it starts out, whether measured by economic impact, 1.5 trillion, or total employment, 18 million jobs, franchising has become a significant component of the U.S. economy, and it continues to gain in relative size. However, as impressive as those facts are about the size of the franchising sector, another characteristic that is equally or perhaps even more significant is the scope of the franchising sector. As revealed in the profile series, franchising is being used, modified, and adopted by a wide variety of businesses. In some cases, the scope and diversification of the franchising sector has outpaced the way we traditionally think and talk about franchising. The words that best describe modern franchising are uh, adaptability and flexibility. So that's what's interesting about this article. Entrepreneurs, large companies, and venture capitalists are being drawn to franchising as a business expansion strategy. Uh, this is something else that we've talked about, different types of people going into franchising. A lot are just entrepreneurs in general. Maybe you've had other businesses, franchise or non-franchise. Right. Uh, or even just very large companies looking to expand, even venture capitalists, and they're looking at ways of expanding their business, and uh, they're getting into franchising because they see the opportunity. Likewise, the individual franchise prospect has a wide range of franchise opportunities and options to choose from in more than 100 lines of business, and investment ranges from as low as 10000 to more than a million right. uh, in business formats. Uh, of all shapes and sizes. It says for Marty, since 2003, there have been nearly 900 new franchise brands started, in addition to the growth of, it, of existing brands. The re- result has been substantial overall growth in franchise units, with four of 18 industries showing more than 15% growth over the past three years. That's incredible. So we're, we're, we're always mentioning how, you know, the number of new franchises over certain years or last quarter. Uh, so this, uh, you know, further details that but what's interesting is uh just the wide variety of people getting into franchising and again the words that best describe modern franchising are adaptability and flexibility so you know i guess even the franchise industry is evolving a little bit yeah i mean it is interesting don i mean you know as long as you and i have been doing this you know it's i think you know when i came into franchising i guess it was like in 99 they always said there was about like 70 industries you know franchising i i think at this point we're probably up to about like 85 industries you know you hear a lot of different numbers, you know, and I think we're up to about like 2,500 different concepts, yeah. um, you know, I've seen, but who knows, I mean, that number could be up to like 3,000 by, uh, you know, uh, right. in a year or two, you know, it's just it's just incredible, so. And, and there's such a uh, diversification in, the, in investment size, as low as 10,000 up to a couple million. That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, we we have a little more time, right? We do. We could probably do one more, and then and then we'll uh, I guess we'll take a break, and we'll bring Joe in actually. Okay. Also through FranchiseWire.com, this is an interesting article. Uh, franchise industry veterans launch all inclusive alliance, uh, dated February twelfth, oh seven, out of Atlanta, Georgia, Marta. Uh, with Atlanta, Georgia serving as the franchise industry's hotbed, home to more than forty different franchise headquarters. 
and that's pretty impressive. In one city, you have over 40 different franchise headquarters or where their main offices. That's something. For franchisors, yeah. A group of industry veterans have launched the Atlanta Franchise Alliance, a professional organization for franchisors, franchisees, and suppliers. Uh, it's the ATLFA, supporting the ever-booming business model that has grown to more than 750,000 franchise businesses in the U.S., right. counting for $1.5 trillion in economic output. will officially launch at its February 14th inaugural meeting. So I guess that happened yesterday. Uh, the ATLFA will bring the local franchise community together as an extension of the best practices offered globally by the IFA, which is the International Franchise Association. Uh, the group will provide local resources to franchise professionals as an association with unlimited networking potential through members working together to improve our growing industry, said Stan Friedman, co-founder and chairman of the ATLFA and chief development officer of Maggie Moose International, uh, ice cream franchise uh, that we're familiar with. He says, while some organizations limit membership by category to a select few, the newly launched ATLFA opens its doors to everyone, franchisors, franchisees, as well as suppliers and vendors in the franchise industry. That's something. Uh, so the ATLFA doesn't stop with networking either. We will provide valuable educational resources to our membership. Um, so, And the IFA commends the Atlanta Franchise Alliance for its efforts to enlarge the local franchising community on issues most critical to the franchising sector. So I guess there's been so many franchisors all within this city. I guess they're on top of each franchise helping the franchisees. They're even right. going one step beyond uh, to form a networking group to, uh, uh, to help the franchisee, supplier, franchisor. It's, uh, I mean, that's, you know, I think that's... We'll, we'll probably see more of that around the country, different cities, uh, you know, different franchises if they're grouped in a certain area. Right, absolutely. I mean, California's been pretty big, too, Don. Uh, you know, as far as franchising goes, I know a lot of, uh, there's a lot of headquarters in California as well. I can't remember what the number was, but, uh, right. yeah. Pretty high numbers, so. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see. They, they, they must have something, too. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. We'll find out. It's, I think what we'll do here, Don, is we'll take a quick break. And uh, we'll be right back with more franchise interviews on World Talk Radio, where the world comes to talk. Can't you see what's going on? Deep inside your heart. Always searching for the real thing. Living like it's far away. Just leave World Talk Radio. Coming up in segment two, we're going to be meeting with Joe Matthews, author of the very successful Street Smart Franchising, which is a must-read for anyone looking to buy a franchise. And Joe's book, Street Smart Franchising, will help you decide if franchising's for you, tell you what you will see, feel, and experience before you invest, and a lot of great franchise information. And that's all coming up here on Franchise Interviews on World Talk Radio, where the world comes to talk. Silent prayer for the faith departed I ain't gonna be just the face of the crowd You're gonna hear 
Tap into a $41 billion a year industry with Garlic Gyms. Did you know Americans eat about 100 acres of pizza every single day or about 350 slices per second? Garlic Gyms has spent years looking high and low for a higher quality pizza that is delivered quick enough so that you're still hungry when it arrives. Garlic Gyms makes the most delicious gourmet pizza and at the same time provides excellent and fast service to your door. Garlic Gyms has perfected the science of prompt pizza delivery by learning and experimenting. The exciting twist to this is great pizza. Never again will you have to choose between great pizza and great service. Are you interested in owning a Garlic Gyms? We're currently accepting applications to participate in our exciting world of gourmet pizza delivery and carryout. Talk to us and find out how we sold nearly 100 franchises in six states in our first two and a half years of operation. To get started right away, go to www.garlicgyms.com. That's www.garlicgyms.com. Or call us, 425-918-1900. That's 425-918-1900. Garlic Gyms. Hello, Service Brands International. I got a problem. The more time I spend pursuing success, the less time I have to enjoy it. What am I going to do? Don't worry. You made the right call. Service Brands International, a leading multi-brand franchiser, offers a variety of proven home services franchises that are ideally positioned for today's time-starved consumers and are exceptionally efficient to operate, giving you the time to run your business and time to enjoy your success. There's Molly Made, a residential cleaning franchise. Mr. Handyman. The franchise solution for residential and commercial fix-it problems. 1-800-DRY-CLEAN. The affordable franchise opportunity offering quality dry cleaning with the convenience of free pickup and delivery. And ducts. That's D-U-C-T-Z, meeting the need for improved indoor air quality. For more information on how a Service Brands franchise can provide a life worth living, visit servicebrands.com. That's servicebrands.com. Listen, the world is talking. World Talk Radio. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Franchise Interviews, Asking the Entrepreneur Who Owns One. I'm your host, Marty McDermott, with my co-host, Don Johnson. And if you've ever dreamed about owning your own business, then this is a show to listen to. And today's show is being brought to you by Service Brands International. And Service Brands International is a family of franchise concepts, which include Molly Maid, 1-800-DRY-CLEAN, Mr. Handyman, and Ducks. And our next guest is Joe Matthews, who is the founder of the Franchise Performance Group and author of the very successful Street Smart Franchising, which is a must-read for anyone looking to buy a franchise. Joe, welcome to the show. Well, glad to be here. Thanks for the invitation. Thanks, Joe. Thanks. Joe, joining us is my co-host, Don Johnson, who's also the president of Diamond Financial Services of New Jersey. And I know you wanted to say hi, Don, to Joe. Yeah, hi, Joe. Thanks for coming on the show. I just want to say real quick, Joe, I speak to franchisors around the country every day for my franchise financing business, and uh, over the last couple of weeks I've been mentioning uh, you're coming on the show, and I've found out that you're a pretty popular guy. <laughs> oh, I'm not good to know. Yeah, I mean, we can't tell you, Joe, how many people, uh, you know, as I've mentioned, you know, say hi to Joe, say hi to Joe. I see Joe's going to be on your show, you know, so it's, uh, uh, so you definitely got your name out there, that's for sure. 
Well, well you know, it's a, it's a great community of people. Absolutely. You know, and it's, uh, even though it represents 70 or 80 different industries and thousands of concepts, it seems like either you know everybody or you know somebody who knows everybody. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Oh, that's something. Joe, I wanted to thank you for coming on the show today and start off by congratulating you on the success of Street Smart Franchising. And, you know, thank you for writing the book. I, I mentioned to you, I've read a lot of franchise books, and I think that it gives a real-life picture of what a prospective franchisee can expect when buying a franchise. So I think you did a great job. On that, yeah, there was when we were looking to see if even if the uh, the, the industry needed another title on franchising because there's about a hundred books on franchising. There are. We, we saw that there were about really three things nobody talked about. You know, in the back rooms at conferences, you know, the franchise professionals talk about right. it. You know, but uh, but you know, in writing and to educate people looking to buy businesses, you know, the, so those things are you know real simple. Number one is everybody talks about how successful franchising is. Exactly. But if you take a look at franchisors, uh, like any bell curve, there's everything from genius to incompetence. Right. right. And Absolutely. the incompetent franchisors are dangerous to themselves, uh, to the people investing money, uh, to the industry as a whole. And we wanted to give the uh, telltale signs of what competency and incompetency looks like. Exactly. And then yeah. also, um, you know, franchising is very successful. And most people who invest in franchising win, which is why it proliferates. Uh, but franchisors will tell you out of, out of 100 people that investigate, you know, whatever concepts are out there, only one moves forward. Right. You know, so if, if, um, if franchising's you know, on balance is successful, most franchisees win, which they do. How come 99 out of 100 aren't doing it? <laughs> exactly. You know, so we wanted to talk about how, because logically that doesn't make sense. Right. And uh, what we wanted to show is logic has nothing to do with it. Oh, Most people invest in franchises based on emotion, uh, and then they back it up with logic, which can be good and bad. You know, you can make bad emotional decisions, too. Right. It's a very emotionally charged decision, and we wanted to show what that looked like. And we wanted to show people what to expect, uh, how they move through the learning curve. A lot of people, when they invest in a business, they've had some, you know, some success in their background, right? Absolutely. You know, most people who invest in businesses have had... You know, some measure of success in their past careers. Right. We also want to, and, and what happens is when you've been successful in your past careers, you forget what it's like to go all the way back to the beginning, like all the way back to doing competence. Yes, absolutely. And isn't that what franchising allows people to do? It's almost like a license to be incompetent for a short period of time. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You know, and then, and then you're, you're banking on the, the franchisor to accelerate you through the learning curve back into competency. And it's, a, it's a terrifying and very uncomfortable position uh, for franchisees to be in. And, you know, we wanted to show that that's actually a normal part of the process and then give them strategies. We, we wanted to train them on how to learn because a lot of them have even forgotten how, what, what's it take to learn. Remember when we all got out of college? Yeah. Right. Or we all started the workforce. We were completely incompetent. What we didn't know could fill encyclopedia, right? Absolutely. You know, and it's, uh, it, it's, it's all the way back to the beginning for a lot of people starting franchises. And we wanted to show what that looks like and give them intelligent strategies to move through it. Right, yeah, it's right. interesting, Joe, that people invest in a franchise. They don't feel like they forget that they're gonna, what they're going to have to go through the first year, basically, uh, especially someone who's had a business been successful. They don't realize that. Besides the learning curve, they're gonna. It's starting from ground zero. They're getting all the franchise support and and and, and so forth. But it's gonna take time to build up the business. A lot of hard work. Just because you invest in the franchise doesn't mean you're making money right away. 
It doesn't, and, and you get a lot of that uh, fear and concern with first-time business owners. People that have been through the gamut once before kind of know what to expect. Right. You know, and some of the disconnects, there's a lot of little disconnects in the business model, is the ones that are supporting and training the franchisees on how to be successful, a lot of them have never owned businesses before. Right, that's a good point. In my business, most of my loans are franchise startup loans, so I really see the emotion in people. Uh, they've never owned a business, never, you've never been through the business loan process, are nervous about finding a lease and location, and, and uh, I didn't think that that, that uh, stat would be that low, that only one in a hundred move forward, but I'm not surprised it's low, because a lot of people are just scared to make that final step. Uh, so that's, uh, you know, it's interesting, but I really see the emotion in uh, uh, you know, people owning a business for the first time. That's a good point, Joe. Yeah. And I, I was actually talking about the people supporting the franchisees. So, in other words, when you go into a training class, many of the franchisors' employees uh, that are working with the entrepreneurs to get them up to snuff have never started a business before. Right. Yeah, they actually don't know what it's like. Theoretically, they may, but most, many of them have never been there. So there's a lot of little disconnects. Uh, in franchising that we wanted to point out. Not bad, like there's nothing wrong, uh, but just things you need to pay attention to, which may get in the way of meaningful support and meaningful training. Exactly. Right, it's part of the due diligence. you got to sometimes take it one step beyond to think of that aspect, how experienced are the people at the franchise or corporate office. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, and I guess that's why you started the Franchise Performance Group, too, as well, Joe, right, to... Um, I guess educate, you know, working with franchisors and franchisees, kind of like help them understand each other, would you say? Uh, yeah, well, I started the Franchise Performance Group uh, because I never really heard in franchising too much, uh, other than the very experienced franchisors, that right. franchising itself is a business unto itself. Right. You know, in other words, you always hear, like, if you actually were to look up franchising, what, like, what's a franchise in the Webster's Dictionary? Right. They're going to say it's a uh, legal relationship. They define it as a license to do business. Exactly. Okay, well, it is a legal relationship when it breaks down. Right. right. Like when the franchise agreements come out on both sides, there's a problem, right? Exactly, absolutely. So, so, so that's a pretty crummy definition. Sure, it you is. Know, and the other, other books out there you know, kind of define franchising really as a distribution model. Now, I, I don't know if you ever worked the franchisor side of the house, but when we, we you know, I used to be, my, most of my careers were franchisors. You can't treat your franchisees like points of distribution. Right. Like, shut up, you're a distribution point. What do you know? Exactly. <laughs> you, you know, and they, they get pushed back. So what happens is franchising is a deeply committed personal relationship, and that trust is critical. And what we found, and the reason I started the company is that uh, people that are really skilled at franchising understand that franchising is a business all unto itself. In other words, you could be a great restaurateur, a crappy franchisor, and everybody fails. Exactly. And it's just not enough to be a good restaurateur or a good specialty retailer or a good anything. You've got to be brilliant in the business of franchising. You know, so we started that company with the intent of what does uh, excellence in franchising look like and how do we bring that to the franchisors so they can be excellent, too. Absolutely. It sounds like you, 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 it's a great line from the, the Godfather, Joe, you know, is, is where uh, you kind of like help the ship sail in the same direction almost, you know, between the franchisor and the franchisee. Well, their fates are intertwined. 
Right, absolutely. Yeah, because I mean, if they if they don't get it going in the same direction, another great line from the uh, Godfather is, uh, "Leave the gun and take the cannolis." Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's going to be a dead body. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, that's something. I know you had a question, Don. Uh, uh, yeah, Joe. Tell us about uh, what what you do to help franchisors and franchisees in your business. I mean, we've been discussing it a little bit, but what's really the you know the key answer to that? Well, I, there, there's. Three main areas that we help. We help the franchisees primarily through helping the franchisors. So most of our work is, is driven by the franchisors. Uh, the first thing we do is we teach them how to recruit franchisees, and that sounds like something they should already know how to do. But you'd be shocked to learn how many franchisees franchisors let into the system that they would never hire to run the same unit. Yeah, I see it every day. Yeah. Right, right. You know, and, and the reason is franchisors typically, unless they're reminded, they don't look at the franchisees as key management. So they don't take them through an interview process that they would take them through if they were going to hire them, you know, if they were going to give them a VP title. Right. You know, so we, we take a real HR approach towards franchisee recruitment. We want the franchisees to, and the franchisors both to go in with their eyes wide open and know what they're getting into before they get into it. And it sounds like if you take a quality approach towards recruiting that you don't get quantity because a lot of franchisors they have a false belief that you know if I if I be too if I'm too careful I won't grow. Uh and that's a false assumption we find is quality breeds quantity. Sure. You know, as soon as uh, you get the right team on the field and they start producing, you hit the tipping point. And that's where you get quality and quantity at the same time. Uh, but you're never going to do it if you just focus on trying to, you know, just sell franchises versus putting the right people on the field. Yeah, you know, so so we do that. The second thing we do for franchisors is we look at you know, how they support franchisees, and we help them put together better uh, accountability structures and and more meaningful coaching to help the franchisees perform. Right. A lot of franchisors, what they do is they put way too much weight in training and not enough weight in coaching. Now, let me just distinguish the difference. Okay, so training is what you do when you're imparting knowledge and skill. Mm -hmm. Let's take a look at, like, an industry like weight loss, which I think is a $6 billion industry with a B. Right. Okay. So, you know, 60% of Americans uh, have to, are either obese or have to lose weight. Right. Okay. So how do you lose weight? Diet and exercise, right? Exactly. Discipline. Like, yeah, like they don't know. Right. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, eat a salad and get on a treadmill, right? Right, absolutely. You know, it, it, the knowledge doesn't make a difference. Right. Okay, That's... so what makes a difference is skillful implementation of the knowledge and holding people accountable to implement what they know. Yeah. So a lot of franchisors are very weak on accountability, uh, and what put way too much weight into knowledge, you know, so, you know, their answer to everything is let's design another training program. Great. More knowledge they won't implement. Right, right. Yeah, so, so, so the ongoing uh, support, the, the, the ongoing support, Joe, is the real key there, you're saying? The, uh, accountability is the real key. Sure. So, in other yeah. words, uh, asking questions to help franchisees design what they need to do that month. Okay, and then following up, make sure that w- what they planned on doing, they actually did. And if they didn't, challenge them on it. What happened? Where was the breakdown? What could you be do differently? You know, what's the impact going to be on your business if you don't implement? Are you prepared for that financially? Is your family prepared for that? 
Right, right, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So it just you can ask questions, but you, you you treat franchisees as equals, not inferiors. In a coaching relationship, who who executes the team or the coach? The coach. The co- well, the team does, right? The team's the team on the field. Yes, yes. Yeah, so I mean, the franchisees—it's their business. They have to execute. The only thing a franchisor right, can really do is coach from the sidelines and just show them what they see from a different vantage point. Right, and absolutely. actually hold them accountable for the blocking and tackling and the and, you know and the day to day implementation of the system. Right, right. You know, not like from a command and control technique, but just by asking. Exactly. And so when you were talking about knowledge, Joe, I remember in the book you mentioned uh, it was a, it was a model. It was called Cash K A S H. Um, the K being part of that. Um, could you talk a little bit about that? What, what exactly is that? Well, yeah, the, the cash model is the secret formula of winning at anything. So if you look at what peak performers have, they all pretty much have the same cash right. as other peak performers. In other words, peak performers, they have a tendency to know the same things. Okay. Like they know what they need to know to be successful, right? Right. So that's K is knowledge. And what did we already say about knowledge? Overrated. It's way overrated, right? Okay. A is attitude, which is extremely underrated. Right. Now, if you look up attitude in the dictionary, it's not about good attitude, bad attitude. Attitude means how you relate to things. Right. So, so a franchisee who's a peak performer or has a high level of cash, they have a certain relationship with the franchisor that other underperforming franchisees don't have. They have a relationship with their customers. They have a relationship with their products and services. Right. They have a relationship to things like advertising. They have a relationship to uh, what it is to go to work in the morning. Mm. It's a much more powerful mindset you know, than people who aren't winning. Uh, S is skills. They're good at everything they need to be good at. Right. Uh, and the most important thing, uh, habits. Right. It's like where they spend in their time. Right. In any business, it's the old 80-20 rule. You know, the, the typical uh, person wastes 80% of their time on things that generate 20% results and only invest 20% of their time on things that generate 80% of the results. Yeah, so what are those 80% activities? And, and are you engaged in them? Are you focused on the high-priority activities that generate all the results? When I'm coaching a franchisee, that's the first place I look. When they tell me they're not winning, don't tell me where you think you're spending your time. Document it. Right, I want to know where you're spending your time and on what. And you know what? When they actually look at where they spend their time on paper and how, how long things take and, and what little it produces and how much they waste, when they're done throwing up, they have a huge breakthrough in results. Right, absolutely. Most like, of the I think time, you, it's time management. Yeah, you mentioned in the book, I think a lot of our time is spent on uh, minutiae, so I think is what you said. You know, it was interesting. And, and Joe, habits should always be reviewed and, uh, I guess, evolved. I mean, you know, habits you know, sh- should, should always be changing, basically, right? Uh, I, I didn't hear the question. One more time? Um, your habits uh, should always uh, are always being reviewed and evolving. Habits should always be changing, basically, because businesses can change and people don't want to get into bad habits. So that's always kind of evolving, right? Uh, yeah, but it depends on the business model. Yeah, so, so some business models, yeah, there isn't a whole heck of a lot of change. Franchisors, a lot of them are fairly low tech. Like the sponsor of this business is, you know, Molly Maids, right? Right. Yeah, I mean, the technology are vacuums. <laughs> there you go. You know, so the, there you don't want, yeah, there you want them to get into a rhythm and just do the same thing over and over and over again and beat it into the dirt. 
Exactly. You know, there's going to be talking more about the marketing and advertising. Yeah. Right. Yeah, right. Yeah. Absolutely. So there are aspects of the business that need to change, but typically franchise businesses are, are fairly low tech, you know, rhythm type businesses. You know, like once you got the winning formula. Right. You just beat it into the dirt. You wake up, you execute it. You wake up the next day, you execute it again. Um, right. That's why people paying the royalty. That's why people paying the royalty fee. They're buying into the system. It's uh, it's already there. Uh, it's already a winning formula. Yeah. Okay, good. I could. So are you able to systems change? You able to stick around for another segment? One more time? Are you able to stick around for another segment? Absolutely. Okay, that's great. Thanks. So I think what we're going to do here is we're going to take a quick break. And we're going to be right back with more franchise interviews on World Talk Radio, where the world comes to talk. Coming up in segment three, we're going to continue our interview with Joe Matthews, author of the successful Street Smart Franchising, and we're going to discuss uh, some of the most difficult challenges prospective franchisees should expect when uh, setting up a franchise and uh, get some more advice from Joe Matthews. And that's all right here on Franchise Interviews on World Talk Radio, where the world comes to talk. On dreams of the past, you got to fight to keep them alive. Unlock your earning potential with a business to call your own with the Papa Lock Franchise Opportunity. Founded in 1991 by former law enforcement officers in Lafayette, Louisiana, Papa Lock is recognized as the leading locksmith franchise in the world, with 3,600 trained techs and licensed locksmiths serving a total population of more than 150 million in over 3,400 cities. Papa Lock provides multiple revenue streams to franchisees, such as locksmithing and car door unlocking, high-tech key generation, emergency roadside assistance, and emergency car door unlocking. If you would like to examine the Papa Lock franchise opportunity in more detail, please go to our website, www.papalock.com. That's www.papalock.com. Or call 337-233-6211. That number again is 337-233-6211. Lock up your future today with Papa Lock. Tap into a $41 billion a year industry with garlic gyms. Did you know Americans eat about 100 acres of pizza every single day or about 350 slices per second? Garlic Gyms has spent years looking high and low for a higher quality pizza that is delivered quick enough so that you're still hungry when it arrives. Garlic Gyms makes the most delicious gourmet pizza and at the same time provides excellent and fast service to your door. Garlic Gyms has perfected the science of prompt pizza delivery by learning and experimenting. The exciting twist to this is great pizza. Never again will you have to choose between great pizza and great service. Are you interested in owning a Garlic Gyms? We're currently accepting applications to participate in our exciting world of gourmet pizza delivery and carryout. Talk to us and find out how we sold nearly 100 franchises in six states in our first two and a half years of operation. To get started right away, go to www.garlicgyms.com. That's www.garlicgyms.com. Or call us, 
425-918-1900. That's 425-918-1900. Garlic Gyms. You're listening to World Talk Radio, where the world comes to talk. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Franchise Interviews, Asking the Entrepreneur Who Owns One. I'm your host, Marty McDermott, with my co-host, Don Johnson. And if you've ever dreamed about owning your own business, then this is a show to listen to. And today's segment is being brought to you by Service Brands International, and Service Brands International represents a family of franchises from Molly Maids, 1-800-DRY-CLEAN, Mr. Handyman, and Ducks. And today we are with author Joe Matthews of the very successful Street Smart Franchising. And, Don, I think you were up. Uh, I think we were going to talk about behavior styles. Um, yeah, Joe, what behavior style is the most successful at running a franchise? I've uh, looked at this a little bit. I thought it's very interesting, the four different styles you have and how you, uh, and how that, uh, how, how you break that down. Can you explain that a little bit, please? Yeah, it, you know, anybody who's ever taken a behavior profile, you know, most profiles are generally off the same technology. I'm going to oversimplify it, uh, but basically you can chunk down people into four basic buckets. Uh, so one bucket would be like the type, some people would know them as the type A personalities. Those are the real drivers. Right. We call them the action heroes. Go, go, go. Charge, charge, charge. Take the hill. You know, very strong, high-activity, authoritarian leadership style. Uh, the second style is more outgoing, gregarious, and charismatic, more of like the, like the Bill Clinton-type uh, leadership style, the uh, Ronald Reagan, you know, just great oracles, charismatic-type personalities, visionaries, they're creative. Right. Uh, and then you've got the analyticals, the more introverts. So one is called the faithful sidekick. You know, and they t- they're they're very nice. They're loyal. Uh, they're kind of like rhythm players. Uh, they, you know, they don't really have to lead. They, they they may lead. They may choose to lead, but they're happy being in the background. You know, letting other people win. Right. Uh, you know, they're they're the great listeners. They're the real empathetic types, kind of like the Mahatma Gandhi, Mother Teresa type. Right. Okay. okay, and then there's the real high analytics, uh, the computer programmer type, uh, and that's the private eye. They're the highest on information. Like, they're the guys that invented the Internet, right? Right. You know, they just want data and information. See, I don't know if you ever walk into a high-tech company, but you see the, the offices are all dark except for one flicker of light from the computer monitor. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and they're in there punching away in the pitch black, right? Yeah, and uh, they just come out to go to the bathroom and, and grab, grab some water. Right. You know, so the, you know, so they're like ideal franchise would be lighthouse keeper. You know, they just they don't like people. They like working alone. But there's just not a lot of franchisors out there to uh, that would appeal to somebody like that. So like I the faithful sidekick. Oh, I'm sorry, Joe. I was going to say the faithful sidekick. Obviously. Uh, Less of a people person, and when they're making their franchise decision, they should, you know should you know, really keep that in mind. I guess the, these behavior styles are important as you're doing your due diligence, deciding on what you want to do. I think it's, uh, it's such a key aspect. You, you really have to line up your genius uh, and your skills with ever the winning formula is of that particular business. Now, some people will tell you, and a lot of franchise systems. Uh, would demonstrate that the, you know the action or the comedians are typically the more successful in their system. Yeah, uh, I, I think there's other reasons for that. Yeah, um, 
if you look at who are the ones most likely to follow the system, you know, the real methodical types, those would be the analytics, like the faithful sidekick and the private eye. Right. right. But they also have the lowest risk tolerance. So, so the people most likely to buy into the system, you know, which are the outgoing gregarious hard chargers, which are the comedians and the action hero, they're also least likely by profile to follow the system they just bought. Right. They're very low on, on systems orientation. You know, systems when other people say do this, do that, you know, they can follow their own systems, which is why they're entrepreneurs, but they struggle uh, following systems that other people design. They have a tendency to resist. So, you know, one of the disconnects in franchising, there's a lot of little ones, is the people most likely to buy into a business, you know, the higher risk profiles, which are those action heroes and the comedians, are also least likely to follow the system they just bought. Which makes the franchisor crazy. Can you see the potential for conflict there? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. You know, and so, um, but I don't know if there's necessarily uh, a style that's like the universal style that's the best entrepreneurial style. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, businesses require different things. Right. You know, so um, take like uh, the sponsor of the show has, they've got a number of different concepts. One is 1-800-DRY-CLEAN, which is where people go in a van and they drive around and they pick up dry cleaner. Right. You know, and, and you know, good customer service would be uh, don't talk to anybody. <laughs> right, and don't disrupt anything, right? Absolutely, right. You know, so uh, now if you're a real people person, you know, how much time do you want to spend on the road uh, sitting in the van all by yourself? Sure, absolutely. You know, that's not a good fit. Right. You know, we're likely you're not you know, going to be happy. Yeah. Yeah. So if you, but if you're that, uh, if you're more introverted, you know, and being alone is energizing, and you, and you want to make money and just have people leave you alone. Sure. And that's your idea of a good time. And there are people like that. Uh, that would be a great fit for that. So this really gets into the details of your book, where sometimes you feel the franchisor, sometimes not going after that type of person with the behavior style that best fits their system. Is that what happens a lot of times, Joe? Why? Uh, you know, sometimes there's it's not a match. Yeah, I mean that can be a problem. Yeah, you know, they're just not a match. I think franchisors labor under the delusion that their business is right for everybody. That's so that's part of the problem. Another part of the problem is they're selling. In other words, they look at their franchise as something that they have to sell. Yeah. You know, so it almost doesn't matter who they're talking to. You know, they look at it as kind of like a commodity, something that people should own. Right. You know, and, and it becomes a more, you know, more feature benefit close, and they're focused more on buying signals than on match. And that creates a whole world of hurt down the road. I imagine. You know, and I don't think franchisors are as sensitive to behavior styles uh, as they need to be. They're typically set up to support one or two styles and not the others. Right. You know, because what happens is uh, most franchise systems are reasonably small. Mm-hmm. You know, and the, and the founders or the people that started them are usually involved in some way, shape, or form. So before it was a franchise system, it was a personal system for the founder, right? Sure. So the founder is going to be one of those styles, right? Exactly. You know, so they're typically, you know, so they, you know, they create a system to fit their own style. You know, they win, and then they franchise it. So the people most likely to win are people that more closely match the founder's style unless sure. those systems evolve. Absolutely, that makes sense. Yeah. So, what's the best piece of advice you can give someone who wants to own a franchise? Uh, do uh, it's going to sound trite, but do the homework. Don't get caught up in the hype, and don't get caught up in fear. Right. Uh, identify what does it take to win. I'll go back to the cash model. Okay. Okay. So, like, what do what do I need to know? 
And does the franchisor have a track record of imparting that knowledge, yes or no? Now, the track record is how the franchisees are doing, right? Right. Okay. You know, how do the peak performers think? So, like, when I ask them, what do you think about your customer? What do you think about your help? What do you think about going to work in the morning? Mm -hmm. You know, what are they saying? You know, and and can I adapt those thoughts? Uh, Skills. What are they good at? Mm -hmm. Okay. And what am I already good at? So, in other words, you can start predicting how well you'll do just by how many of those skills you're walking to the, you know, you're walking in with. Okay, and for those that are missing, you know, do a gap analysis. For those skills that are missing, what's the franchisor's track record of imparting that? Right. Okay, and then last, habits. What are those high-priority activities that generate all the results? Know that going in. Exactly. Okay, and then where can I waste time so you can avoid those things? You know, set up structures or from day one so that doesn't occur. That's something. And then the last thing I tell them to do is a lot of, I think, franchisees make decisions assuming they're going to be in the top quartile mm. or the top half. You know, every franchisor has a bell curve distribution. Right. right. You know, so franchisors will typically look at the top half and say that's the system working, and they'll look at the bottom half and say the franchisees aren't following the system. Right. As opposed to the the system produced the top and the bottom, right? Absolutely. Okay, which which is what the system is really producing. So franchisees really got to start with franchise candidates. They got to look at the middle and say, okay, in all probability, that's probably where I'll be. Right, right. So is that good enough? And like, does that actually work? Exactly. You know, you hope to do better, but the probability says you'll be in the middle of the pack. So does the middle of the pack work for me? Does you know is that is that what I want my life to look like? Right. And if it, if the middle of the pack doesn't work, then don't do it. Absolutely. Joe, what's the best way uh, someone can buy your book or get in touch with you? Are there is there any particular websites that they should go to? Yeah, you could go to uh, www.streetsmartfranchising.com. Okay. And you can get the book there and contact information there. And if, uh, if the franchisors are listening and they want to get to my company, it's www.franchiseperformancegroup.com. Okay, that's great. We have the links also up on our show page too, Joe. So for anyone interested, you know, you can just click the links. And Joe, I want to thank you. You've been an incredible guest, and there's still more to talk about. So we're going to have to have you back on the show. Oh, oh just quick, plenty yeah. of time. Well, you know, happy topic to talk about. Thanks, that's Joe. Thanks for writing the book. All right, have a great day, guys. Have a great day, Joe. Thank, thank you, Joe. Thank you. Wow, very knowledgeable, Don, huh? Yeah, great book. Uh, I think we could have. Easily done about a three or four hour show. Today. I would say so. Yeah, probably a, a ten hour show. <laughs> you know? We didn't get to and uh, absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, there's just so much. Yeah, so much knowledge, so much experience. It really and, does. Uh, you know, yeah. So uh, I'm sure we'll definitely. Uh, be we'll have to have him back. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, if you do want the book, also we have links all over our uh, uh, show page, so you can actually click. We have a little icon of Joe's book that you can actually click and uh, you know order the book as well that way. So. Um, yeah, he explains things real interesting. His behavior really styles does. and the, the, the whole cash, K-A-S-H. Uh, it's a great model, absolutely. It makes so much sense, you know, as, as, as he's explaining it. So, well, it's a but, real, real, real-world real, type book of what to really expect is. investing in a franchise. I mean, you, you know, you got to put in the hard work. It's going to take time, much like any other business, but you have the advantage because it's a franchise. Absolutely. Well, another great show, Don. That was a, it was a fantastic show. And uh, next week, again, we got Nancy Lenard, you know, franchise attorney, and then we got Miami Rice and another bunch of shows that we're going to be posting on the show page as well. So, great job, Don. Uh, go to FranchiseInterviews.com for more information and, you know, subscribe to our newsletter. And uh, 
we'll, I'll see you next week, Don. Yeah, yeah look, uh, definitely looking forward to it, Marty. Have a good day. All right, Don, you too. Have a great day. Thanks, Paul. Bye-bye. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.